Did you know that a recent talent trend survey of over 18,000 workers found that 85% of employees want to leave our workplaces? Now, as I said to our guest today, Roger Simpson from The Retail Solution, surely that number's upside down. But strangely enough, it isn't. We don't manage our people well enough. We're not attracting the right people and we're not being able to retain them well enough. And as Roger shares with us today, there's some great strategies that we can do to change ourselves from being reactive to being proactive and getting the best out of our people. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 80. Big show today. It's always a big show, but I love this episode with Roger Simpson. It really has built on the momentum we created a number of weeks ago when we spoke to Tristan White, the CEO of the PhysioCo, and of course we were talking there about establishing a vision for our businesses and also, more importantly, the culture. But in order to execute on this really well and obviously deliver on the success that we're seeking, we need to attract and retain a high-performance team in our pharmacies. We can't have that churn of people going in and out all the time and constantly needing to recruit. We need to be able to retain this high-performance talent in our businesses. And Roger has some great strategies and some blueprints for us to share with us as to how we can do that. I know you'll absolutely love that. We've got time for a quick check-in with you, as always. And I'll to share with you in that uh, some of the overwhelming feedback that sent social media into meltdown last weekend following our interview last week with Debbie Rigby. Very, very popular and it brought together some of the best pharmacy minds uh, on Twitter. And uh, for those who haven't ventured into Twitter, I certainly encourage you to check out all the tweets that were going back and forth from my Twitter handle at Robert Starr on Twitter, and you can see what we were talking about there. There's some great stuff that I'll share with you very shortly. And also just a quick wrap-up on last Friday's Masterclass with Hilary Kahn. And of course, if that wasn't enough, we've jam-packed so much into this episode, this week's Pharmacy Freedom Index Insight. So how's your week been? Has it been a good one? I've had a fantastic one. I'm recording this a little earlier than usual uh, because I'm heading up to Brisbane for the day on Friday to visit a past guest and client uh, John Tawadris at Kippering. Uh, so g'day John if you're listening and also the team at Dose Innovations and uh, we've got a uh, panel that um, I'm going to be part of at PBN here in Melbourne uh, which will be next, which will be Saturday week um, and uh, really looking forward to getting on there and talking about the future of pharmacy and uh, what that might look like in uh, 10 or even 20 years time. Some great stuff I'd love to share with you if you're heading along. 
great masterclass we had last Friday. It was really highly interactive and Hillary shared some brilliant strategies and blueprints for building that customized retail category that we've been talking about. And uh, so much so, I'd love you all to benefit. We're going to leave the replay available for you to register for if you'd like to uh, up until the 23rd of September, in which case it will come down at that point and it will be launched back into the transformation community when that goes live later this year. But if you'd love to get hold of the replay and also all the strategies that Hillary shared, uh, head across to robertstar.com forward slash category builder webinar and you can jump in there as quickly as you can say two seconds. Um, so as I mentioned, there was a great wrap up that I wanted to share with you from Twitter uh, last Saturday. Uh, we had I'll, I'll send out some big thanks because I know some of you, some of them listen to the show. Uh, Debbie, of course, was a great participant. Um, Anthony Tassoni, Amy Page, pharmacist of the year this year, we're absolutely blessed to have her part of the conversation, and Jared McMore, just to name a few. Um, and much discussion was around our access to clinical records when we're working in and around medical centres. It seemed to be that if you are that pharmacist within the medical centre, as Debbie shared with us, one of her roles, uh, you will get access to the clinical software. But if you are an HMR accredited pharmacist, you just don't get that access just at the moment. But that'd be a great bridge to cross. And of course, the changing role of the pharmacist. And of course, my favourite was the role that technology will play. So, and play. And we're certainly talking a lot about all of those different things that make us more efficient. Everything that's non-patient facing will be automated and it just shows that where pharmacists are going to sit and what clinical support tools we're going to need to play that role. And on that topic, it was great to have a long-term listener, Andrew Griffin. A big shout-out. I'm giving lots of shout-outs today. Um, who kindly took me behind the scenes of uh, Dispense Works, um, which is um, a company um, or part of Posworks um, and they're launching uh, Dispenseworks which is a new age uh, dispense software later this year. They demoed it at APP this year as well if you headed along um, and it's really going a long way uh, to changing that um, role of dispense software from a transaction database to a true clinical record as Debbie was talking about last week. Really exciting stuff and also that they're going to integrate clinical decision support in there as well. So stay tuned. Um, I'll have an exclusive update for you when we get closer to that time as well. So this week's Pharmacy Freedom Index Insights. So one of the questions I get asked a lot because uh, quite often when I meet a new client, they get a copy of Transformation and they have a look at it and they say to me, Rob, why did you write it and what can I learn from it and how can I use it on an everyday basis? So I just wanted to share that with you because some of you may already own a copy of Transformation or perhaps have just wondered, oh, what's it all about? If you were thinking of picking it up perhaps before a holiday or um, if you picked it up at APP this year as well. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of a background to it. Um, so where Transformation came from was um, I integrated a lot of technology into community pharmacies over my 16 years. And that probably kicked off when I was uh, first as an intern and a clinical pharmacist at Monash Medical Center, where I piloted Palm Pilots or PD, personal digital assistants. And these are probably the first generation of touchscreen iPhones that we all carry around and take for granted now. And 
we look to uh, incorporate all of our clinical records and references into that platform. Um, and I guess that's the, the start of the journey. But then over the journey in community pharmacy, working for Lloyd's Pharmacy overseas in the UK, and also my father's pharmacies as well, just lots of technology had to be implemented into the businesses, part of lots of pilots, and really have been a crash test dummy for a lot of technology as well. And through all of that, I discovered a number of pitfalls and a number of common elements that really we fall in into really some bad traps and bad habits of implementing technology. And I wanted to share that method with you that I discovered as well. So that in this age where there's never been a better time to be partnering our businesses with technology to become more efficient and to aid and automate lots of our non-patient facing processes so that we can afford ourselves the time to spend with our patients, it really is a great short circuit and a shortcut for you rather than having to really have to go through the same issues that I have done all over all through those years. So when you do read through transformation, it goes through my four-step method of transformation. And what that involves is that before you jump headfirst into any technology tool, even a simple one, is get to know it, get to understand what the tool is actually designed for, what's its purpose, and that'll really discover for you where it's going to fit into your business as well. It's only once you've discovered the purpose that you can see where it can be aiding or automating processes in your business. And it goes through how you can discover that and obviously how you can map those processes and work out where the best place for that technology is to sit there. Because at the end of the day, if it's not saving you time and it's not making any more money, it's not going to be a great tool for you nonetheless. And also selecting the right partners. I see too often colleagues are selecting technology or buying technology, putting it into their business, and it looks like an alien that's landed from the moon uh, when it's in there because it's not integrated into the business. And also the partner that they've bought it from hasn't really gone to the trouble of helping to plan and implement and train and maintain that product or service into the business to make sure that, our, that we're actually getting return on investment. Because if we're not, we're doing business with the wrong people. I often encourage colleagues to treat partners like another team member that you'd have in your business and you interview them as such. And if they can't pass that test of really looking after your business and looking out for your future, then they're not a great person to work through. So I'd go through a great method of how you can select those right partners and as of course, as we talk a lot on the show, the world is dynamic, it's changing all the time and we need to get into great habits of optimizing our technology as well as every other process in our business to really make sure we do get that return on investment, but also that we're keeping pace with all the developments around us. Every single day I come across new tools, new technologies that could come into our businesses. I'm crash testing a whole lot of it and sharing it with you on the show. But nonetheless, I don't want you to go through that process as well. And I'll show you how you can make sure that you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but you really get the best out of what you have and perhaps add a few little things along the way to make you that more bit more efficient, give you a better patient experience and allow your business to scale without that additional investment. So long-winded answer, but that was ultimately why I uh, wrote Transformation. And I thought I might actually share that today, um, probably as a landmark, because next week we're coming up to our anniversary, uh, which is actually on Tuesday, uh, which is where I launched Transformation officially. We had our pre-launch last year in August, but officially it was launched on the 15th of September last year. So to celebrate, 
and I am going to be celebrating. I can't, you can't probably hear any streamers or, <laughs> or uh, poppers going off in the background, but I'm certainly celebrating. Um, I'm going to be giving away for free. We spoke about it on last week's show, uh, the team communication course of how you can communicate with your team in only 20 minutes a week and really taking advantage of some of the free or low cost tools that allow you to have flexible team communication with every one of your team so that you never have to worry about getting your message through to your team members no matter where they are, they can arrive at work fully loaded with your best strategies to take your business forward. So I'm going to be selling that a long time in the future and it'll be part of the transformation community probably for about $197 but I'd love to give it away to celebrate the anniversary of transformation so all you need to do to get a hold of that so I'm going to take I'm going to cater for people who have the book and for those that don't um, if you don't have a copy of transformation buy a copy and send me the receipt to robert at robertstar.com and publish a transformation show review on iTunes. And you can do that by going to robertstar.com forward slash iTunes, and you'll get that sent directly to you free of charge. And that's lifetime access as well. It's not one of those things that's going to be around for a couple of weeks. You'll have access to that course forever. And if you've already got a copy of Transformation, and usually these types of offers sometimes don't cater for those who already have the book, but I'd love to look after everyone who's invested not only the time, but the money in buying Transformation and utilizing it in your business. If you've already got a copy, publish a review on Amazon. I'd love to see what you thought of Transformation in the Amazon space. I'd love to get as many of those five-star reviews as we can. We've got a couple. I'd love to have more. And if you send me a copy of that, I will email that to you as well. So the email address to send it to is robert at robertstar.com. Anyway, enough from me. We're going to head across to Roger Simpson now for our interview. I know you'll be simply blown away about how you can create that high-performance culture of attracting and retaining high-performance people. I know you're going to love it. Our interview today is with Roger Simpson. He's the CEO of The Retail Solution and the author of the book, The Retail Solution. He's got over 35 years of retail industry experience and Roger's been recognized as Australia's number one authority on customer return on investment in the retail industry. His company has delivered training and coaching programs to retail clients, including Terry White Chemists, Chem Mart and Capital Chemists and in clients in nearly 30 countries around the world with most experiencing sales increases well in excess of 100%. Roger's extremely passionate about creating great customer service and a triple win for retailers, staff and customers. Roger Simpson, welcome to The Transformation Show. Thanks, Robert. Nice to be here. Oh, look, fantastic to have you, Roger. And I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to our chat. Uh, we had a fantastic chat a couple of weeks ago now with uh, Tristan White from this Physio Co. and one of their great places to work and why culture was so important to them. So I know we're going to really build on that today in terms of really determining you know, why it's so important to be attracting high-performance staff and uh, really retaining them so that we can reduce that churn rate uh, significantly. Yes, absolutely. Yep, um, culture is uh, very, very important. Uh, very good, very good. And as uh, listeners will probably be familiar, um, you're not a pharmacist yourself, um, but you know, obviously you worked a lot with the pharmacy industry with Chem, uh, Terry White and Capital Chemist. Um, and uh, I guess for, for our listeners as well, why are you so passionate about helping the pharmacy industry and what have you observed in the last few years of the massive change we've seen? 
Yeah, um, thanks, Robert. Look, I guess that I guess the challenge is I'd, what I really enjoy is actually working with businesses, um, and because every every retail business that I work in, uh, not just pharmacy but other channels as well, everyone I think has I just always say it's the same two challenges. They they all want customers, or all have customers, I should say, but they all want more customers, and they all employ staff, and they obviously want the best performing staff. And what I find in pharmacy, it's uh, I've it's, it's often it's quite traditional, it's often slow to change and I think the last couple of years particularly with the PBS reforms and it's hit pharmacy pretty hard and, and I think it's, uh, again, it's an opportunity as well because often when you have a bit of a, you know, things sort of uh, come through, it, it tends to wash out the, the poor performers and, um, and helps, the, helps the better performers really exceed. So and I'm just passionate to help small business as well and and, and to, um, various pharmacies just to, as I said, sort of get the best out of their people and actually really grow their sales and um, and become successful. So it's one of the channels I actually um, I do enjoy working in. Yeah, yeah. Now look, look, there's never been a, a better time to be changing and innovating in the business. And certainly, you know, as we're finding now with culture, um, it's so important to, you know, bring that back to basics and establish where we currently sit and what our niche is in pharmacy. I think uh, we've all looked at, uh, you know, being everything to everyone for so long now. and. Yeah, um, yeah to establish ourselves with our community and really linking that closely with uh, the major problems um, is certainly something we're, we're, we're working through and uh, trying to find the best solutions we can. And, and I guess one of the biggest things that we, we find, particularly with culture, is it's finding those right people. And uh, I'm sure we'd all agree that uh, we're not finding the right people every time we, we recruit. Mm. So, you know, what, what have you seen that is preventing small businesses and pharmacies from getting it right every time? It's one of the most challenging things, I think, Robert, is, is actually finding the right people. And then, as you said, the second problem, of course, is that um, actually retaining um, your top talent. And I think every business has that struggle. And one of my clients I've, I've worked with for the last uh, uh, 16 years, actually, is the Beechworth Bakery. So Tom O'Toole, who runs uh, now uh, six bakeries, actually. And he has a, he's got some absolute gold nuggets and um, and sayings, and and he talks about my business is all about people, and he said he has pretty much the same product as anyone else. He said he said I don't have any uh, um, eleven herbs or spices, you know, secret ingredients, and but he said my business is all about all about um, all about people. So, and I've I've helped the bakeries actually on their recruitment process, on their training, and also also I think with their culture as well, and. I think the challenge is, is if we look at them sort of separately, that uh, first of all with recruitment, I think what happens is that it's often done in a bit of an ad hoc manner That because it's not done that often. I wouldn't think there'd be too many pharmacies and hopefully there wouldn't be anyway recruiting uh, on a weekly basis. Hmm. They tend to actually do it maybe once every three months, six months or whatever. So they tend to just go, oh, someone's leaving. I've got to, got to find a replacement. So they'll go back and pull out a file they used six months ago that they probably used six years ago. And I think what they do is they, they don't have a rigorous process. And I think people think with a rigorous process, it's going to take oh, such a long time. It doesn't actually take much more to actually have a proper process. And I think also one area that I, that I see, because we do a lot of training around um, training managers, how to, how to uh, recruit the right people. And it's two key areas that I see is they don't do well. One is particularly when... They actually need a replacement 
uh, person. It might be a pharmacy assistant or it could be a dispense tech or whatever it might be. And they don't look at their current strengths and weaknesses and go, well, what's our, what's our strengths or what's our weaknesses? You know, is it, is it an area that, you know, maybe we've got uh, people that are a bit too serious or maybe, you know, people that are a bit too, um, have too much fun or not enough experience, whatever it might be, or maybe everyone's too experienced, we need a bit of new blood. So to me, if you look at what's your weaknesses and then I need to recruit for that and actually identify and write those down. And then the next step, I think, is that they tend to rely on the interview uh, as the sole process for actually deciding if it's the right person or not. And one thing for me is that uh, everyone would generally ring an applicant because they generally send it, send it a CV. So they have to ring that applicant. And there's your chance to ask two simple questions. And that's going to determine if the person's probably right for your business. And one simple question is, are you still interested in the job? And and analyze what they actually say because if they go oh yeah probably then maybe they're not <laughs> that motivated to join your business <laughs> the next question as well is what made you apply for the job now people sometimes send a covering letter but even if they have it's a great question to ask because then you're just, just checking to see whether that actually uh, stacks up or not and i think if you do those those couple of simple steps before you actually get to the interview and then please have an interview process that's actually structured as well. Questions are written down, asking the same questions of each applicant. Then you can do the, do the, do the comparison. So again, not too difficult and doesn't take too much more time to actually do that. Mm. Mm. And 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 the, and I guess the major thing that we see is that yeah, if we don't have to do it generally every week, particularly if we're in a small pharmacy, I guess for our for our listeners who are running larger networks or have groups of stores, they probably have a dedicated HR manager who's looking at that all the time. Um, but yep. I guess you know some of the problems that we look at sometimes with recruitment is the frequency, how we do it, but it may also have something to do with how we're looking after our employees. And uh, I noted from one of your recent blog posts that um, a talent trend survey of over 18,000 workers found that uh, 85% of employees actually want to leave the workplace, which is certainly <laughs> contributing to the fact of why we need to recruit more. But I guess when I first looked at that, I thought, surely that number must be upside down. I was much the same as you, Robert. When I read that, I went, really? I think I've got it wrong. But what it actually actually stated was that 15, only 15% of employees in Australia were actually happy with what they were doing and, and would not leave a business. Uh, there's, and again, 85% is that you've got probably around about, I think it's about 30 or 40% would, would actually leave if someone approached them and had a, and, and I think that the job was better. So, but you've still got around about 25 or 30%, I think, I can't remember the exact figures off the top of my head, but around that sort of 25 to 30% mark, uh, uh, sort of actively looking for other jobs. So, but you've also got, as I said, the, um, the other percentage that makes up the, makes up the bulk of the 85%, you know, they'd, they'd leave if, it, if another opportunity uh, comes along. So I think that's a, it's a real indictment on, on what's happening in, in, in business today. And I know um, it's, you know, pharmacies, it's been you know, quite traditional and it's been, I think, you know, slow to change. And as I said, with the PBS reforms recently, it's, it's making it really tough. And I think people are looking at, well, how do I save money? And I think it's a, it's a slippery slope if you go down the path of actually, uh, you know, cutting back your staff. We only have to look at um, Maya and David Jones and what they've done. And I think there's a lot of regret with that now and 
David Jones of uh, the new CEO has come out recently and said, look, we've really taken our eye off customer service. So they're now having to reinvent themselves. But I think what's happened is they've pushed a lot of customers away. Yeah. And, you know, the challenge with us um, in, in pharmacy is that, you know, you, if you lose a customer, they're, they're very hard to get back. So I look at, um, again, how do we actually have a culture where people actually want to come to work and are actually motivated and inspired? And when you look at all the research around what, why people work, and of course, you ask everyone what, what's the number one reason people go to work, and um, and most managers say it's about money, and most staff say it's what's well, not about money. So there's a, again, there's a, there's a bit of a conflict between the different points of view, and it's generally about like look, I think why people work is is that they actually want to actually. Um, work in a, in, a, in a business where they actually can contribute, where they feel part of a team. And again, the research talks about if they actually know what they're doing actually adds value, then I think that's a, it becomes a really important part. And in pharmacy, I don't think you can have a business, uh, I think it's one of the best businesses for actually adding value because you know, you're looking after people's long-term health and well-being, which I think is just is fantastic. So it's how do you create that culture where, you know, people can actually, you know, come to work, they're inspired and motivated, they're learning new skills, but also being challenged. And I think that's one of the things that we haven't been good at in pharmacy. I think people have often just come along to work, they've done their shift, gone home, and it's all it's all beautiful. Thanks. Mm. So there's no sort of no accounting for, for performance and those days I'm I'm afraid are um are long gone when we can just, you know, we can just carry people. Well, we've seen just that massive exponential level of change in that last 15 years where operating costs have soared and you know profitability yep. by nature of PBS reform has really cut the profitability out of the business, meaning that the dispensary no longer serves the rest of the business. The rest of the business must be as productive as everything Absolutely. else. And uh, you know, certainly, you know, some of the short-term strategies that we've we've certainly seen have been where you know you'll remove staff, ask staff to take on more responsibility, perhaps even remove training as a as an extra add-on because of the cost involved yep. rather than looking at the growth capacity that you may be building in so you know it, it's it's a really interesting philosophy in as much that we're more around short-term survival and not so much thinking of the long term um, yes. so I, I guess you know not every company does that. Every industry has been through a form of transformation in the yeah, past sure. where there've been challenges. And, you know, I can't help but think of, you know, some of the world's leading companies that you come across every day. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's not no accident that we see massive smiles on all the employees of Apple, Google, Disney, Zappos, which we've spoken about on the show as well. So, mm. you know, what do they do differently? And, you know, obviously they see the economic challenges that get placed on them, but, you know, what's what's been their key ingredient to, I guess, move past that and you know look back at their people and invest in them. Well, one th- one company that I can certainly comment on that I've, I've had a fairly good look at is I was I was lucky enough to uh, travel to the US a couple of years ago with Tom O'Toole from the Beechworth Bakery, and he actually took two of his managers as well, and we went attended a two day course at the Disney Institute. And a bit like McDonald's, you know, where they have the McDonald's uh, University, yeah. is that uh, Disney, they have a, an institute where they pr- provide all their, uh, all their training to the, because they've got 20, 21,000, 22,000 staff in uh, Los Angeles, uh, which is quite mind-boggling, but that's the smaller <laughs> park. They've got about 63,000 in, uh, in Orlando, so it would be a lot to roster, I would think. <laughs> uh, and... What, um, what Tom and I and his two managers, that we attended a two-day course and it really looked at their, at their whole thing about their culture, 
about their recruitment process, their training, and their reward side of things. And it was just, I just found it really fascinating. And uh, and because everyone you talk to about about who's been to Disneyland, doesn't matter what age they are, they've always all had an amazing experience. So it was fantastic to spend two days really getting inside. Uh, learning from a Disney trainer exactly what they did in, in those areas, and I wasn't too surprised uh, that training uh, is is something that they actually invest heavily in, and that was back at, pretty much back to uh, Walt himself. He was a like an absolute visionary well before his time, and he was a big advocate on on training people because how can you, how can they do the job if they're, if they're not trained? So I knew that would be a a pretty amazing part of what they did and their recruitment process again was uh, you know they're just thorough rigorous what what i really loved and that's become a a, a part of the beach with bakery culture as well is they have a set of what they call non-negotiables and this is when part of the recruitment process so when an applicant uh, first comes into the system for pre-interview etc and then interview they're very clear on their non-negotiables and that's things like you know wearing uniforms and uh, dress standards etc even rates of pay when you work and so they're very clear and pretty nice to the applicants up front and if people don't like it then what they say they actually self-select themselves out of the process and I think what we do a little bit unfortunately is we actually because we feel as though we're desperate we need someone is that we'll actually bend our rules and then hopefully when they join us, uh, they'll actually live to our rules. But we've already started to uh, you know, provide them with the impetus to you know, bend rules. So Disney are very, no, that, this is it. There's no change. If you don't like it, don't, um, you won't join us. So what they're doing, of course, is getting the right people who, suit, who fit and suit their culture. And looking at what, um, what Zappos do as well, like, again, it's, they do a lot of work around their people and what, and what motivates them. And what we're seeing as well, as you know, is, is a lot of Gen Ys are now coming through the, um, through the workplace. And it just frustrates me because, I, again, um, some recent uh, research that came through is that a number of very major companies in the world who have had performance reviews as their only way of reviewing performance and reviewing salary uh, that's been their absolute structure for years and years and years, have now tossed that out completely. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because when you look at Gen Ys, is that they've grown up uh, throughout their um, their young lives on constantly getting feedback. And you know, we talk about the example I, I saw from a guy doing a blog post was he talked about um, you know they've they've, you, they've always played video games where they get instant feedback about about their performance. You know, you either you win or you don't win. Yeah. So then they. And, and then at school, of course, is you know there's there's lots of feedback provided to um, you know to young people today, lots of positive parenting there uh, as well, and then they come into the workforce and they get maybe feedback once a year, so it's just not going to work for them. So we have to change, and we have to actually uh, work and provide them with feedback that they want and when they need it. So that's the thing, you know, we've, we've got to be more proactive in actually seeing how well our team are doing, actually finding out, you know, having sit-downs with them. You know, it's not, we don't have to do half an hour a day with every person, but maybe it's five minutes a week. And when you think about how often that's done in pharmacy, how often does anyone actually talk to a team member about how they're going and what help do they need, what are their goals for this week, et cetera, <clears throat> excuse me, et cetera, it's not done very often. You know, we just sort of manage by just getting on with doing everything and hope everyone's going to be successful. 
Yeah, oh, look, it's, it's such a big factor, time. Um, you know, it's often, as you mentioned earlier, with our recruiting process, we'll often duplicate what we've done in the past, thinking yep. that if we do that, we're going to save a lot of time. So by cutting and pasting old ads, you know, that will do the job. And, you know, typically that might also relate back to how we actually treat our people as we're talking, as you'd mentioned there with Gen Y. But we can, yep. we're also in a workplace where we might have Gen X, we may even have baby boomers still in the workplace as well and yep. you now the management strategies for each generation is very different um, in that I suppose if using that Gen Y example if you provided a lot of feedback to a baby boomer they'd probably say look get over yourself yeah. uh, I think we're all right but you know for a Gen Y that's something they're seeking so I suppose mm. it's never been more complex with having those multi-generations in in the workplace and uh, you know that then means that the one size fits all process that we've had for so many years just doesn't work anymore yeah for sure Robert that's that's so important and again it's about looking at and to me it's it's it is generational but it's also about people's personality is that what you'll find in gen wise you'll find that some some gen wise need for more feedback than others and you're going to know that pretty uh, pretty soon because they'll do a task and then they'll they'll look they'll look for praise or or feedback on on, on how they could improve um, whereas others will just get on and do it and not seek that. So again, not and, and I think the challenge is about um, again you know, we're going to be careful about pigeonholing Gen Ys are this, Gen X are this, uh, baby boomers are this. It's about actually spending a little bit of time with each person, getting to know them, and then finding out well what actually makes them tick, what motivates them, what what sort of feedback do they like, how often do they like it, and again is it. Why would you not have that as a conversation within the first sort of three months of their of their uh, probation period, and then adapting the feedback to their needs? It's like a, uh, you know, and we talk about in, in sport, of course, it's about um, you know finding what actually makes each player tick, and it's not using the same approach with every, with every person. You can yell at someone, you know, because that's that's the best way to motivate them, but it's not, but it's going to crush, um, you know, two or three others. So you've got to adapt your style completely, and you'll only be able to do that by actually spending a bit of time with them. And I think that's one of the biggest challenge, uh, Robert, that I see in, in pharmacy, but not just pharmacy; it's in every retailer. Is that I, I, when I'm running training courses, I'll ask people, so so when when are people generally trained? And of course, they say, oh, it's just during their induction period, and then we don't do any other training. Uh, after that, because we think they've they've just got they've got it, and they'll continue to do the task perfectly. Well, what happens is that people tend to you know they when they do something repetitive, which is a lot about retailing, and they actually start to then find shortcuts and they stop doing things that they should be doing. So, unless there's ongoing training, but it's not just about training because if someone knows how to do a task that they don't and they're not doing it, it's often that it's not the not the training that they need or retraining. They actually need follow up on the job. We need to be evaluating their performance and giving them feedback on a, on a regular basis. And that's not done anywhere near enough in any, any retail business that I know. Mm. And, and I guess sometimes it does relate to the size of the retailer as well. Like we mentioned, some of our listeners may have multiple stores and have a dedicated yep. HR person. But, you know, for a typical pharmacy owner in their own store, um, you know, I guess managing people is just seen as another hat that needs to be worn and interchanged yes. with running your dispensary, running your back office, and also, you know, um, you know, managing your patients, let alone your people. And um, I guess it's just that factor of trying to manage all of that has 
what prevents, I guess, taking that helicopter look at it and actually looking at, you know, what individual needs are. And it's very easy just to pigeonhole it or, in fact, just, you know, often, you know, delegate it to perhaps an untrained staff member to handle yeah. recruitment because there's no time. So, you know, I guess from that factor as well, um, you know, people, I think we probably don't put up the priority list high enough. It's just viewed yes. as another another process. So, you know, I think the leadership aspect of, um, you know, where we sit in our businesses and how we manage the people could probably be coming under question as well in that perhaps we don't overlay our expectations onto our people early enough and therefore we're disappointed by them, you you know, months down the track when we get a chance to finally have a look, have a good look at them. Yeah, very true. And and so we we tend to look at five fairly five fundamental steps that we that we always talk about about how do you manage people's performance on the job? How do you get them to do what you want them to do, and in fact, actually uh, excel at what they do? And it really comes down to five steps. And the first step is about your staff need to know your expectations because if they don't know the expectations, how can they then actually perform? The second step is they need to be trained. And again, that's, as I said, you know, induct, um, during induction, but also ongoing. And the third step is that managers have to be role models. So they have to lead by example. And particularly today uh, with our generally more outspoken Gen Ys, is that if you're not doing a, a task uh, the way it should be done and you give them feedback about not doing it, they will certainly tell you. And that feedback's probably quite deserved. So those those three steps need to happen. And then what we also need to do is we need, need to actually evaluate uh, staff actually dealing with customers and performing tasks because the fifth step, of course, is providing feedback. And you can't actually provide feedback unless you've actually... Uh, observe their behavior and interesting enough this is uh again what retailers don't do enough of and in the disney model is that they actually set their managers up to succeed and what we do in australia and new zealand i believe is that we set our managers up to fail because we say you're in charge of the people oh but by the way here's all the paperwork you have to complete as well (laughs) and so poor retail managers uh, in a pharmacy situation tend to be inundated with doing paperwork. They don't delegate well. And I'm not, like you're suggesting, you know, I'm not suggesting that they should delegate the recruitment process. They need to be part of it. They might, they might not, you know, do all the, all, the, all the groundwork, but they need to be part of the process. But they, you know, they do, I think retail managers do far too many tasks. And I find that they, uh, they don't delegate well because often they've, They've risen through the ranks and, and they've actually been a colleague and then next minute they're the retail manager and now they're having to, having to, having to give instructions to their, uh, their former colleagues and a lot feel uncomfortable so they go, oh, I'll just do it myself, it's just easier. So they build up their workload. So they tend to do 70, 80% of tasks which allows them only 20% of time for their people and they just can't get this done because they're just too busy. So... What in the Disney model? They, as I said, they set their managers up to succeed by set, by taking away the paperwork or the things that they that are sort of the admin tasks and giving to someone who's actually quite skilled at admin and doesn't like people. Whereas the people that are good with people are in are out actually evaluating and giving feedback. Seventy percent of their time is spent out with their people, and we don't we're nowhere near that. Mm. I would suggest, and it's about you know leading by example. It's mentoring. It's coaching. And again, this is what this is what Zappos do. 
uh, yeah, they've got people who actually, and it's it's not delegating it to the if, if they're big enough to have an HR manager, it's not the HR manager's job to do that. It's it's the retail manager, I believe, and some senior staff who've been there a while as well. You know, they can be mentors or coaches, and but they're often not given the skills to do it, so they don't know how to do it, so they just don't do it. Yeah, and 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 I guess it's also the the owner's expectations of the retail manager as well. Like you mentioned there, I think Absolutely. you know a lot of them will probably come into the business as a young pharmacy assistant, do all the minutia jobs, rise through the ranks, you know, by level of experience and understanding of the business, but probably never really have you know any great strong people management or HR skills. And uh, yes. you know, the expectation we place on them is you know what we would love to do but you know we're wearing too many other hats that you know we just think look it's just easier if if they handle that but at the same time you know the same mistakes may may i guess reoccur at the high level where we don't place our expectations strongly or make them known well enough to our retail managers so therefore when we're seeing it when we're seeing a churn rate or we're seeing staff leave or be disappointed, we often just look at that and saying, well, that retail manager's failed. But, you know, like you said, it could be just a case that we haven't enabled that um, culture um, to support them well enough. Yeah. Well, I think the challenge is, is that managing staff 20 or 30 years ago was really easy because you just told them what to do and people did what they were told to do. Now, that's changed completely and gone out the window and the autocratic style of management just doesn't work anymore. And this is why people leave because they don't like getting told what to do. They want to be involved in the process. And again, this, you know, this is, I think, the biggest criticism of, of Gen Y is, you know, oh, God, you know, we have to involve them in everything. And, but that's the way they work. That's what motivates them. So if that's, the, if that's what motivates them, we'll get their ideas. And what... I just find there's so many amazing young Gen Ys out there who have got great ideas and, and they'll challenge the way that we're doing things and they've got better ways of doing it. We're just not open to listening to that. So that's, and then we've got, sometimes we've got baby boomers who've probably been a pharmacy for too long yeah. and like the way that they can come into work and they have their break exactly at 10 past 10 every morning because that's the way I've always done it. Yeah. And, oh, it doesn't suit the pharmacy now. Well, I'm not changing. Now, Everyone's got to, got to be open to change, particularly and even more and more as the next, next few years uh, come upon us. And I think the other thing, Robert, that, um, that frustrates me is that um, we often expect a retail manager, when, we, when they get promoted or we employ someone, it's just expected that they know how to manage people. And it's the biggest issue that I deal with young, um, when, when I, I talk to young pharmacists and young retail managers, is that they just don't know how to provide feedback to staff. No one's ever shown them. And there's a couple of it's a fairly simple feedback models that, um, that, that we train and that we uh, get people to use, and they just work. And, but no one actually shows you that. We all, uh, you know, we all think we have to do the, you know, the feedback sandwich model that <laughs> takes way too long and we'll take them off the floor and have a discussion about their performance when a simple five-second chat on the floor between a customer is actually going to make that person feel motivated and keep doing what they were doing. So, as I said before, 
I said, I think we just unfortunately set our managers up to fail too much. Mm. And, and look, no doubt there's a whole whole lot that has changed in that time as well. And perhaps because, you know, a lot of a lot of pharmacies have been under same ownership for, you know, over that entire journey that, uh, you know, perhaps there are younger members of the team that are recognising those changes. But because of where we're at and where we're thinking of where the stage of the business is, it's not a time to be changing a whole lot. It's really about trying to hang on and survive. And, you know, these types of issues don't tend to come into calculation. But I guess for our listeners who have, you know, seen, I guess, all of the major benefits of handling it differently, you know, yep. what, what would you be your best advice to, you know, start from basics? What, what would be, I guess, maybe even your top three basics to start working on to tr- start to change the way you manage your people? Yeah, certainly it's actually getting back to uh, ensuring that people know your expectations. So like I mentioned before, is and to me that's about um, if, if – so obviously looking at the customer service process. So, so what are the requirements when a, uh, when, a, when a customer comes in? What do they actually want the staff to do to provide them with excellent service? And it's getting staff involved in that discussion. A lot of, a lot of retailers do have standards, but how well do the staff uh, know those standards? Often what we do is, um, and I've seen in so many um, pharmacies, but also other retailers, is service standards uh, are on the notice board that um, and it's and there's other notices on top of it on top of that on top of that and I think a lot of um, managers think well if I put something on the notice board staff will read it <laughs> and it just doesn't happen that way so <clears throat> it's having team meetings as well and getting st- um, you know staff across the expectations it's sharing uh, you know, like your KPIs so your average sale items per customer loyalty uh, percentage on conversion rate, loyalty signups. It's and and about setting expectations as well around those that what someone what is someone actually required to do? What does success looks lo- look like? And then, as I said, it's following up and actually giving feedback. And what I know is that uh, this this is what weeds people out. Is that once once they know the expectation and once they know how they're going against those expectations, they'll either improve if we provide feedback. Or what they'll do, like I said before, with Disney is they'll tend to self-select and they'll and they'll actually leave and go and uh, maybe join another pharmacy that's uh, not so sort of focused on uh, on performance, and that's actually doing us um, all a favour if they do that. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do is we need to be and because you can't have people coming into work as I said before and just doing you know, cruising through the day and if they make a few sales it's fine if they don't well say la vie. You've got to have people actually making sure that when they come in, they're turned on, switched on, ready to go, they're motivated, and they're actually actually really putting in. Yeah, and I think, you know, the big thing that I just, you know, took out of that was the strong emphasis on very clear and frequent communication. And, yep. uh, and perhaps that really then underlies the, the leadership that we need to be showing for our people. Um, and that if you are communicating regularly um, and you're able to reinforce all of those messages, you can keep people aligned to the journey of sharing KPIs and yep. knowing when we've succeeded and when we haven't. Um, you know, it's a 
different type of process. But I guess in the 21st century, and I guess this is where we spend a little bit of time on the show with technology, you know, how have you seen that communication evolve in these businesses? Um, you know, obviously in years gone by, we've had paper newsletters, notice boards, communication mm. books that often don't get read until you're physically in the store. But are you seeing any other ways that, you know, they, I guess successful businesses and brands are aligning the people even when they're not in the store? Yes, certainly. And again, it's embracing technology, as you said. Uh, with Disney, is that they, because they have employees aged from probably 16 through to 70, I think it might be. And what they do is that they, when they communicate with their with their team members, they have about five different ways of communicating. Because some people like a like a newsletter, which they can actually uh, physically pick up and read. Others want to want to want to read it on their mobile phone or a tablet. So again, it's just being very uh, adaptive about how do you communicate with your team, and how do you get a, get a message across, and what what is the best way that they like to be communicated with. I think it's a pretty simple question to ask them that, isn't it? Mm. And then we just look at, okay, well, what's, what, what can I do that's going to make it easier for you? But also, I think one of the biggest challenges that I see in a lot of retailers is that, and you've already mentioned about, you know, we're all time poor as managers, is that, so when, when we're time poor, we tend to communicate less because we're just too busy. So we do it generally one way. We just go and tell people, no, this needs doing, this needs doing, and that, why, isn't that, why hasn't that been done yet, et cetera, et cetera. So we need to change the way that we, that we do that. But also we need to communicate in a way that um, engages our team and often it's face-to-face. And we can, do the, we can do the technology but also following up to see have they got the, what's their understanding of the message, et cetera. And I'm still a big one for team meetings. Uh, and, but a lot of pharmacies go, oh, I don't have time, it's too hard to organise. But again, you know, best retailers is that they, they do regular team meetings but also they do the five-minute brief before they start their day. And again... Who's on? How did we go yesterday? What's our focus for today? Let's celebrate a bit of success and let's get on let's get on and have a great day and then actually continually following up during the day. So it's it's communicating and I, I think the biggest issue I find most most business problems come through lack of communication. Yeah, and and I think you know, t- taking away from what you just mentioned there as well is that it, it seems that these businesses have a good level of strategy and planning behind it. Um, you know, one of the favourite quotes that came up, I think it might have been from Patrick Reed in episode sixty-two, was uh, the seven P's of. Uh, Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance, and yeah. uh, and often we leave people management and uh, recruitment um, to the dire need of when the platform's burning and we need to address it straight away. So when someone's left, we immediately need to hire, as opposed to looking at that process as something that we need to manage and optimize and maintain in our business all the time. Um, and so it tends not to be, a, a, I guess, a revolutionary process in the business. It tends to be a, you know. A reactionary one um, yeah absolutely and uh, you know I guess from your experience like particularly with um, the Beechworth Bakery you know how, how do they keep on top of that and I guess ingrain that you know process of constantly revisiting and optimizing that process to make sure that they're always aligned with their people yeah they do lots of things so they they're very good at celebrating success so they'll They'll have sort of regular. Uh, they'll do events throughout the year where they get you know people do dress ups or they have um, um, you know 
cupcake month or it's um, pie month you know buy, buy one one apple pie get a get a second one for 10 cents and so they have lots of fun activities uh, they do a few dress up days around public holidays like queen's birthday and footy finals and different things and but also there's a they've become more disciplined as well about um, letting people know how they're going with their performance and so they're very focused on average sale. They also uh, share their, um, their, their rostering and, and, and their results. So people know when things are tough that, um, you know, why I'm being sent home early because, you know, sales aren't there. And so it's about really making people accountable for, um, for their performance and for the team's performance. But as I said, they, they're very good at celebrating and they're very good at communicating with their, with their, uh, with their teams as well. And, and I think that's what, as I said, uh, earlier is that it was one of the biggest things that um, that that, that uh, successful businesses do. Of course, is that they communicate how people are travelling, hmm. and what I've seen um, with a number of clients this year as well is is that you know using KPIs, but it's actually following up with the KPIs and having individual discussions about well where are you at? If you're doing a great job, positive feedback to keep you doing that great job. But if if you're not achieving a particular KPI, is that what do you need to do to actually improve and how can I help you to do that? And if you keep that communication going on an ongoing basis, but obviously you need a, a retail manager or someone who's got the ability to um, have those conversations, but also the time to do it. So I think that's exactly what happens, Robert, is that we is that we say, okay, well, here's, here's your job. And oh, by the way, you also have to manage the people. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, I, I guess, you know, sometimes, you know, one of the things that we all uh, frame around our businesses is quality care that we manage, you know, on a, on a, I guess, a bi-yearly basis. And uh, yep. it's often sometimes that we start to look at those, you know, great plans and preparation and how we could be doing it only when we need to revisit it to get right. our accreditation. And yeah. I, as we spoke about initially about the importance of culture in the business, it's probably having that culture of active communication rather than reactive or passive um, so that people are aware that they will get feedback and that they're also you know treating it as a two-way street as well and providing it back to you as well Um, and you know in some cases as we've spoken a number of times on the show using technology to allow those communication lines to be opened um, even when you can't be in the pharmacy so that you have um, messages that are able to be read or listened to away from the business. So when people arrive, they actually know what's happening. And, and I guess, you know, in terms of tech tools and things that you might have seen around people management and recruiting, like what, what are the types of tools that you've seen? I know that um, with Tristan from the Physio Co, they use their marketing um, to attract top talent and they do more marketing in terms of how their people are performing in the business and the fun they're happening and so forth. So they're always pulling people to them through that marketing. Obviously, we're seeing a lot through LinkedIn now where everyone can have that live resume. But Mm -hmm. um, what are the types of technology that you've seen, um, I guess, that businesses use to, I guess, even save some time or to, you know, I guess, put their recruitment on turbocharge? Yeah, certainly I think with, you're right, with um, with Seek and and, and LinkedIn, etc. And Interesting. I was um, I was talking to a colleague recently, and she was saying about um, how you know the bigger companies uh, actually have people who are actively have a dedicated HR person who are looking on LinkedIn and identifying uh, you know people that they can uh, they can approach. So so actually having that that proactive approach rather than just waiting, and also uh, 
so again, that's like to me, it's a really good thing about recruitment is that we do it when someone leaves. So we're very, very reactive. Why don't we be proactive? And if people actually bring in a resume, and we're not we're not really looking for someone at the moment, but we, why would we not have a have a, a semi interview with them, etc. And also, uh, if we're if we're out. Um, being a customer somewhere and we see someone who provides amazing service want to have a chat to them about um, have you ever thought about actually uh, working working in a pharmacy and oh no I haven't well look here's my card if you're ever interested uh, you know, give me a ring or whatever it might be so it's, it's building up that um, that that pool of people and certainly LinkedIn is a, is a great process for that but also I, I know that with technology certainly with rostering as well and you know SMSing staff and and having that all automated is just because I'm sure that's a uh, that's a real hassle, um, hmm. you know. When when you've got to, you know, if you've got to ring someone or whatever, and it's as I said, it's you know finding out um, what what the young people, what how do you want to be communicated with? What's the what's the best way? Okay, how do I then adapt my processes um, to do that? So rather than well, we just do it this way. Yeah. And yeah, and and certainly I, as we as we uh, go through more and more, the amount of Software that's available to make make uh, our jobs easier and cut our admin is incredible. And so we, I think, for uh, for, for pharmacy um, owners, is that they have to look at those things and, and really embrace that um, embrace technology. And even in my business, it's um, I've, I've always been a bit slow on technology, but uh, I'm I'm actually enjoying uh, some of the some of the things you can actually do with technology now, which is, uh, you know, making, uh, obviously doing posts on LinkedIn and, and blog posts are much easier. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, something that we, that we have to do on a, on a constant basis. Well, I guess it's just a great enabler of best practice process too. And, sure. you know, you can put technology to work for you, but if your processes aren't correct in the first place, they're only going to yeah. happen in a quicker space of time um, when you right. partner it with technology. And, you know, a lot of those tools you, you mentioned there in terms of rostering, payroll, things like that, you know, spoken to a number of companies on the show around the possibilities there and the time savings for you know business owners and pharmacy owners is remarkable in terms of how quickly you can manage your roster delegate shifts and get yep. and allow employees to take control of their annual leave application process and all of these things which typically were only ever done in the pharmacy so yeah now it's a huge realm of possibility and i guess as we look to that and uh, get our crystal balls out you know if you take away I guess the two biggest resources that a lot of us will look at in business time, you know, the resources of even people, you know, what would you say, you know, as being the big, biggest game change that you'd like to see in pharmacies today? I would think it would comes right back to actually managing and, and motivating individual performance and not just allowing people to come to work and, Work away, and then um, no no feedback on their on their performance. And the greatest thing I, I would see is actually giving retail managers the freedom to actually manage and, and and motivate their team by having the time to be able to follow up and follow up with KPIs, have discussions with them with team. You know, looking at how can how can we have this category um, come alive more. What are some th- things that we can do, and actually really challenging uh, challenging their staff to actually get involved in the process. And I think that's what what um, what staff really enjoy. It's but it's also looking at particularly in pharmacy. I think it's differentiating around various um, health services that you that you're providing, and what's what's going to make you the expert in your 
area because that's what I think will actually uh, drive customers to your pharmacy. And But always, we don't have time to do it. We're just too busy doing what we're always always doing. So it's actually, as I said, freeing up, freeing up retail managers to, to be able to uh, be creative but actually getting other people involved in that process as well and then setting up um, new health services, um, being on top of health solutions so that uh, you know, staff are actually having proper conversations with customers about the uh, the customer's overall health and, and well-being. So they're providing solutions for the long term as well. That's going to drive um, average sale up. It's going to drive items per customer up. And that's all brilliant you know, for a pharmacy where you know, PBS is, is making it really challenging. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And we've never been in a, in, a, in a better ecosystem of time where we have to do more with less, but we've never had yep. more tools and resources available to them. So long as our thinking, uh, you know, is a little bit broader and we're looking at the process from a point of view of, you know, as we've spoken about being active and, uh, you know, planning to have the right strategies in place as opposed yep. to just, you know, waiting for someone to leave and reacting to it. And then, as we often do, just recruit for the role and not really for the person. And, uh, you know, yeah. and I think, as you mentioned earlier in our chat about looking at the balance of your team, your strengths and yeah. weaknesses, inadvertently by getting someone with the right skills, you might throw the whole balance of your team out in terms of personalities. So, yeah, it's a, it's a huge possibility that we need to look at and we need to make sure we're, uh, you know, trying to do it correctly as well. Roger, it's been brilliant having you on the show today. I um, have enjoyed it a lot. I know our listeners would have taken away a lot of tips of how they can start to, you know, not only recruit better but retain better and uh, in, in, in really grow the culture in their business beyond just you know a nice mission statement and some values yes. but really bring it to life so look forward to uh, following your journey and uh, inviting you back in the not too distant future thanks Robert really appreciate your time thanks Roger with so many actionable tips and insights that Roger shared with us today, my mind is simply bursting with ideas as to how we can manage people better in our businesses as well. My three key learnings, well, number one is to transform your people management, we need to get out of being reactive and become proactive. We need to be looking at recruitment, we need to be looking at managing teams, managing our performance actively rather than waiting for problems to occur or for people to leave. As Roger shared with us, 85% of the workforce are ready to leave at any moment. So we need to embed this culture of proactive management of our team and listening to our team, understanding their problems, enabling them and empowering them with the right training to solve those problems so that they can succeed and we can celebrate those successes in our business as well. So we need to be looking at it, not just when the inevitable challenges arrive and obviously we need to replace people. Number two is strengths and weaknesses. We often look at our businesses, as I've mentioned on the show many times, about doing SWOT analysis of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats on a 90-day cycle. We need to be doing that for our teams as well. We often sometimes recruit just for the role, but we don't look at the personalities and the strengths and weaknesses that other employees are providing to our teams, not just for skill-based systems and for processes, but also how 
how it all balances as well in terms of perhaps the generations as we'll talk about very, very shortly. So we need to be looking at that and really look at the old age quote of hiring for attitude and training for skill, but really looking at the dynamic of the team when we bring people in. We can bring in fantastically skilled people into our organization, but if they don't fit the culture, as Tristan shared with us a couple of weeks ago from the physio code, it's a really toxic injection into the business and it can really sacrifice the performance and no doubt the dynamic of your team. Number three is one size fits all doesn't work anymore. We've got a multi-generational workforce where expectations are different. Some employees, perhaps Gen Ys, want feedback on a more regular basis. Baby boomers, not so much. So we need to vary our communication style and format. We've spoken so much on the show about flexible team communication. So just having the communication book, the notice board, team meetings is not good enough anymore because not every one of our team members can be there all the time. It's okay for our best performers, which are often our full-timers, but for team members that only come in one shift a week or even one shift a month, and we expect them to have the ideas and the knowledge of our full-time team members, it's just not possible without being transparent and providing the right communication style and format that they need as well as well as some people just simply don't like reading, so they like listening. So give them a number of options, and I'll put that link in the show notes for the different options that we've spoken about previously on the show as well. And also, we need to assume more leadership here. We often just outsource this thinking of recruitment and managing people to our retail managers, but we don't support them well enough. As Roger mentioned, we might expect them to take on all the documentation as well. And it's just simply overwhelming because then they've also got to wear the responsibility of performance in the retail area as well. So they need to be given the opportunity to succeed rather than simply set them up to fail as well. So we need to set clear expectations. And more importantly, as Roger shared shared with us, we often don't celebrate our wins well enough and we don't collaborate on the challenges. So people feel disconnected in the business and don't feel that they're contributing. So we need to be able to do that better and provide regular feedback. And not just on that once yearly basis, the performance review, which Roger shared with us is now out the door in some of the world's leading organizations, we need to be providing positive regular feedback and constructive feedback, perhaps when KPIs or certain performance measures aren't being met and enable our team with the right training to be able to solve that. Obviously, as we look at all of this, we think about, well, how much time in the day can we be prepared to put towards this? We wear so many hats, but as we share towards the end, there are a number of technology tools you can use, but it's about having that culture and the process of being proactive around it rather than being passive and reactive. Because when we look at it that way, we can never achieve the most amount of success from our team and get the best out of them unless we've planned for that success. So I think the major thing to take away from this is really get your strategy right, enable your people with the right tools and the right workflows to be able to give you the right feedback, set your expectations, and no doubt our people, like everything else, are our greatest assets and they'll simply wow us with what they can achieve in our businesses. And that brings us to our transformation motivational quote of the week, which comes from the late and the very great Steve Jobs. And it is, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Love that one. 
Next week, we've got a fantastic interview coming your way with Jesper Logren, who is probably the perfect guest for our show as he is a digital business transformation specialist. Great title, hey? He's going to be talking to us about why it's important for us to reconnect or create a purpose for our pharmacy business. It's impossible to start the journey of transformation in our business if we can't begin with the end in mind and we don't know where we're going and what the purpose is, particularly from a personal point of view, but also from our business point of view. It's a fantastic chat. I know you'll absolutely love it. And if you've loved this week's show, leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to every single one of them. And our guests, like Roger today, only too happy to respond individually as well. Have a great week, everyone. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now.